Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. Released for them Barabbas, and having 
scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. In this scene, we see how the fear of man drives the behavior of people. How Pilate was afraid of this mob, this, this crowd that was seeking justice. Even that he knows that Jesus is innocent. Being afraid of Jesus and his influence and what this would mean for him politically. And the pressure of these chief priests who, who are putting pressure on Pilate and stirring up the crowd, revealing their envy. And so, even as we start this message today, I want you to see that God used one of the most significant moments in history regarding the pleasing of man to release you from the pleasing of man. Sending our deliverer to the cross. And so we all have to recognize that at some level, we all face this issue of wanting to be a people pleaser. Wanting the approval of others. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to talk with you about how we can live in the freedom that we have in Christ and not be controlled by the, the pressure, the opinions, or the influence of other people. In such a way that it hinders our effectiveness and our service for Christ. But what does it mean to be an actual people pleaser? Well, people pleasers usually have this big desire to have other people be happy with them. They either say yes to everything or they just simply struggle to say no because they want to avoid disappointing people. They are motivated by the fear of man and they pretend to be serving God but in fact they're just serving their own comfort. Not speaking up or defending the truth when it's necessary. People pleasers can get anxious, so anxious and even paralyzed about the approval from other people. And they can even get upset and sad or even depressed if they don't get it. Does that sound familiar to you? Does any of those ring a bell? Because it sounded familiar to Paul. Because this was the situation with the Galatians to some extent. The churches in Galatia were facing pressure from these Judaizers. These influential Jews coming from Jerusalem. Who were putting pressure on the Gentiles to conform to this different gospel. Which explains to some extent why they were turning their back on grace. And on the grace of Christ. Being allured away from these false teachers. By these false teachers. Who want to trouble them and seek to distort the message of Christ. And you know by now that these false teachers say, they seek to shake you up. And they distort the truth. So in your moment of vulnerability, you are confused about what is really going on. Insisting that you need to be circumcised or come under the law of Moses in all its traditions. But the reality is that the Galatian context that can seem so far from us right now as we're studying it so many years later, doesn't it? Because we don't have people coming up to us in the middle of the week saying, hey, you need to be circumcised and come under the law of Moses, do we? So imagine now a, a modern day scenario. Imagine a Akani does all this work of getting himself ready to go out and reach the Sangha people in Limpopo. He trains himself up, he's, he's being sent to school, he does all this work of raising support, building a house, quitting his job, and then the church send, sends him and his family to, to Limpopo, and he proclaims the, uh, this, this exclusive message about Jesus, this pure message of total forgiveness, and people are responding to this message. But as he's doing this, he's going from one village to the next, there's this group that, that actually follow him. Who go into these communities and say, what Akani is saying is not the full truth. He's just saying this to, to win you over, to, to please you. He's telling you that Jesus saves you from your sins, but what he didn't tell you is that you still need to follow the traditions of the ancestors in order to be right with God. You need to still pray through the ancestors to get true deliverance. Then only are you one of God's people. 
And that's what we have going on here with Paul, with the churches in Galatia. These churches were under pressure and they started to turn away from grace like we saw last week. And Paul is shocked to see how quickly they can give in to this kind of pressure and turn away from God Himself. They were in the process of cutting themselves off from the grace of Christ by adding these works and traditions to the gospel. And because people are messing with the gospel of Jesus, He pronounces this curse to anyone that would change it. This, this double curse, this double anathema on those who are perverting the gospel of Christ. And we said last week that anathema means you are being devoted to destruction. Which essentially means let them be eternally damned. If an angel preaches to you a different gospel, that angel should go to hell. If Paul comes in here and preaches a different gospel, Paul should go to hell. That's how strong this warning is. Eternally condemned. And he repeats himself because of how serious this warning is. And that's verses 6 to 9. And today we are in verse 10. Just in verse 10. And it serves as this transitional verse. It connects the warning that Paul gave in verses 8 and 9 with the defense of his apostolic ministry that's coming in the rest of chapter 1. Where he's going to dive into his past to show how the true gospel has changed him and now God has set him apart from birth for this very mission of preaching the gospel of grace to the Gentiles. And before he gets into the real gospel, and that's not from uh, this human invention or by himself or any other man, Again, proving his authority as a messenger of God, he's now slowing down just to have one sentence to address this issue of being a man pleaser. And essentially, Paul is saying if you are trying to please man, you can't be a servant of Christ. If you're trying to please man, you can't be a servant of Christ. And so to help the Galatians turn back to Christ and not to continue to fall under the pressure of these false teachers, Paul has to oppose the perversion of the gospel with everything he has, whether it pleases people or not. And if we are going to live in this freedom, that this freedom of having to please others, and if we are going to be effective servants of Christ, I want us to recognize at least three things today. Three things. First, we have to recognize our motives for wanting the approval of others. Secondly, we need to recognize the approval we already have. And thirdly, we have to recognize the cost. The cost if we do seek the approval of others. And so let's just read again. If you haven't yet, open your Bible to Galatians chapter 1. And we'll read from verses 6 to 10. This is what God's Word says. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ, not turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now one of the things you do when you read your Bible is you're trying to follow the argument what the author is making. And sometimes it seems that he's bringing up this issue and addressing an issue, but you're not sure exactly where that issue comes from. And this means we have to sometimes do what is called mirror reading. Mirror reading, which basically means you can determine what's going on by looking at what's being addressed. Like here, this issue of people pleasing. You see, these Judaizers were accusing Paul of being a people pleaser. They were saying that he's making the gospel to the Gentiles easier to believe. By taking out the need for circumcision. 
and adhering to the law. They're essentially saying, hey, hey, you Gentiles, Paul has got this easy-to-believe gospel message so that he can be popular with you guys and win you over. And the proof is, look at his style of ministry. When he's with the Jews, he acts like a Jew. But when he's with you guys, you Gentiles, he drops all the stuff about circumcision and the law. So you guys are going to watch out for Paul. This guy is a bit of a, a compromiser. Because he knows if he preaches circumcision, he's not going to be liked by you guys. And we kind of see this argument. If you turn to Acts 16 verse 3, you see the situation where Paul actually had Timothy be circumcised in order to be received by the Jews. And because Timothy, Timothy's father was a Greek, he naturally wasn't circumcised when he was younger. But his mother was a Jew. And so what's happening here is Paul is taking this half-Jewish man into the synagogues to preach the gospel to the Jews first. But what were these Jews, what would they have said about Timothy? Well, your mom is a Jew. That makes you a Jew. You're not circumcised? Wait, stop. You're not a Jew. You're not one of us. And so people are trying to use this kind of behavior against Paul, saying he does, he does preach circumcision when he's with the Jews, but not when he's with the Gentiles. But what is Paul actually doing here? Why does Paul get Timothy to be circumcised? Well, it's because he didn't want Timothy's lack of circumcision to be a roadblock for the gospel. He's like, how is that different from what these Judaizers were doing in Galatia? Well, Paul uses circumcision to remove the roadblocks from the gospel. These guys are using it to add roadblocks to the gospel. And so Paul is picking up on all of this and he's being accused of being a, a people pleaser. And so he responds to all of that here in verse 10. To help the Galatian church to see that he has the right motives, the right understanding of grace and what it actually means to be a servant of the gospel. How Christ and his message of free grace has set him free from pleasing man. And so what can we learn from Paul here? Well, if we're going to live lives in the same freedom from having to please other people, first we have to recognize our motives for wanting that approval from others. Recognize what's going on in your heart. What is the motives for wanting the approval in the first place? Paul says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or God? Or am I trying to please man? So if you want to fight against being a people pleaser, you have to know what drives you, what motivates you to want that approval in the first place. And the basic idea is, you either are motivated by the grace of God, or you're motivated by the fear of man. You're either motivated by the grace of God, or you're motivated by the fear of man. And Paul is making it clear what motivates him. He says, for, as in therefore. Like a conclusion. He's like, I know what you've heard about me, but let me correct that by asking you this question. Does it seem like I am a people pleaser if I've just pronounced this serious curse, this serious warning on people who mess with the gospel of grace? Does it really seem to you that I'm seeking the approval of men, or am I seeking the approval of God instead? And my motivation should be obvious to you. Would anyone say, you are cursed, if they're trying to win people over? In fact, Paul's message was not a popular message at all. This exclusive message of Christianity today is not a popular message. This true message was not the kind of message that's going to get the, the church seats filled up. Rather, it's the, the kind of message that gets you stoned and left for dead. Because Paul's message was, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. And you are under the judgment of God. And God has appointed a day where He's going to judge everyone according to His deeds. Through one man, Jesus Christ. And unless you repent, you will go to hell forever. And by the way, the only way to be saved is through this free and sovereign gift of God. And that salvation is not earned by your own work. So if you want to be saved, you have to humble yourself before Almighty God. 
and acknowledge that you cannot do anything, that you are a sinner, that you are going to hell without Jesus. And you need to accept God's only remedy, which is Christ, a crucified Messiah. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. Does that sound like a popular message to you? And the book of Acts shows us again and again that Paul's message of grace was not received well and he suffered for it. I mean, we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We can turn there quickly because the book of Acts tells us that Paul was in that area in Thessalonica for three synagogue worship services. And this is what he said to those in the church in Thessalonica who were challenged through this message as well. Chapter 2 verse 1. Paul says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered, it had been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know. So Paul's already suffering because of this message, right? This message of free grace. But what motivates him to preach? He says, We had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error, or impurity, or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. See, Paul's motivated because he knows he's approved by God for this mission, this calling from God Himself. And how did he speak then? What was his motivation before men? Next verse says, Not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. See, when Paul was converted by the gospel of grace, his motivation changed. He wanted to please God and see people come to know Him at all costs. That's why he could say to anyone, you know where we came from. We came with boldness, with this commission, with a message. And we gave you that straight message in order to glorify God. Not for the approval of others, but for your eternal salvation. And therefore we have God's stamp of approval. The only approval that matters. He was opposed to the very idea, this practice of being a man pleaser. But being a God pleaser instead. And so we have to look at our own lives and ask, what motivates me? What motivates me? In any given situation, do I want to please man? Or do I want to please God? And you know, when you have a friend maybe that comes to you over for a visit and you know you've got to study for the test, what are you going to do? Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. When we give in to the fear of man, it sets this trap for us, this trap to catch you. But those who want to honor the Lord, who want to do that pleases God, who trusts in the Lord, they will be safe. And this word fear often means to be in awe. To be in awe. So when we talk about the fear of God, it means to be in awe of God. And so if you're driven by the awe and worship of God, then your life will go well, according to wisdom. But when we fear man, and when we are seeking the approval of man, we are worshiping people when we should be worshiping God. And you know what God calls that? Idolatry. Idolatry. We need to be motivated by something that is far greater than just being liked by the people around us or being accepted by our family or friends or co-workers or being accepted by others. Because here's the thing when it comes to people pleasers. People pleasers, they cave, they give in under pressure if they worship that approval from man. They will even compromise their own biblical convictions in order to not disappoint other people. And essentially they just rely on themselves rather on the grace of God. I mean, think about it. Someone might be in a relationship with a godly person, but when the family doesn't approve because he's not from the same tribe or culture, you might turn away from this godly person and try to honor and, and, and please the family. Who are we pleasing in that moment? 
This fear can become so controlling that it paralyzes you. That you can't move. Another simple example is imagine a young man who's just trying to get to know a lady in the church. But there's this culture now that whenever a guy goes to talk to a girl, everyone's like, ooh, what's going on? Ooh, there's something happening here. And it paralyzes the sphere of man that he, he can never pursue a biblical friendship with anyone else. Amen. And so if we are going to live in unity, true, true unity like the, the gospel says we have in Jesus Christ, we cannot be enslaved to the fear of man. But rather be enslaved to the fear of God. We need to be motivated by the grace of God. I like how one man says, John Piper, this is paraphrased from one of the things he said. He says, If you want to live in freedom from having to please the many, then rather live to please the one. God. Focus on the one. Set your focus on the one. Pleasing God with everything you do. And if we look at Galatia here again, the, the real people pleasers here in Galatia are actually these Judaizers. Paul mentions that in Galatians 6 verse 12. He says, It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. You see, these Judaizers, they didn't want to get into trouble by the other Jews. So they put the show on and all this pressure for these people in Galatia to get circumcised. And if we are motivated by the, this pleasing of people to avoid persecution, then we minimize the power of the cross and what it cost our Savior to free us from this bondage. Then you miss the calling by which you have been called. Because to follow Jesus means you are going to be rejected by the world. The world is not going to accept this exclusive message. There is one God, one way to be saved. It's all by grace, through faith. And if you are living according to this Christian worldview, in this broken, dark, secular society, with all this pressure from the world around us, are you going to hold on to the truth, to please God and not man? And so let me ask you a couple of questions just to do some evaluation of our own hearts here. Do you find it hard to express your honest opinions? Is there ever room for you to honestly tell people what you think? Or are you so driven by the fear of man and what they would say? You never say anything. Do you find it impossible to say no because you just want to please everyone which leaves you um, so busy that you can actually not serve anyone else and serve Christ? Working so hard perhaps and just taking on more that it makes you ineffective for serving the kingdom. Whose opinion matters more to you? God's opinion or my culture's opinion? God's opinion or my culture's opinion. And how about this one? Who around me would actually hear about Jesus if the fear of man wasn't an issue? Who would be hearing this gospel of grace if we were not so afraid of man? If we are going to be fixated on the approval of others, then we are going to miss the approval that we already have in Jesus. And so, not only do we have to check our own hearts to see what motivates us in those moments to please other people rather than God, but to fight against the approval that wars in our souls with the grace of God, we have to recognize the approval we already have. Secondly, recognize the approval we already have. Paul says, if I were still trying to please men, if I were still trying to please man. So this word that stands out in the sentence is this word still. In other words, this is what I used to do. Because Paul used to be someone who lived his life for the approval of others. We're going to see more of this in the weeks ahead. He was a very religious Jewish man that when told to persecute the church of God, he did it. 
And he did it with tenacity and with great effort, seeking to be praised by men for his devotion to this Jewish belief system. But when the grace of God touched the core of his being, everything changed. Paul recognizes that this is the same way he used to be, a man pleaser of his former way of living. And so you can see how people can be confused by that. But he's showing them that through his actions and through his words, he is committed to the opinion of God. Committed for their eternal good. Because one of the big themes of Galatians is that the reason I don't need to be this approval addict is because God already approves of me because of Jesus Christ. God already approves of me because of Jesus Christ. This is true that really sets us free, doesn't it? Because the more we enjoy the reality of this truth in our lives, the less we will be controlled by the fear of man. I mean, it's like on a cold day when you go sit outside in the sun. You're just sitting and basking in the sun and enjoying the sun, this warmth of the goodness of the sun in this cold day. That's what we've got to do with this truth. We've got to soak in this truth that I am approved by God because of Jesus. I have to recognize how much God loves me, not because of me, but because of His perfect Son. And so when we struggle with the fact that we care more about the opinion of other people and what they think about us, we can fight that with the opinion that God has about us in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, Paul says this to the church, In love He predestined us for the adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Now not only does God see us as His sons and daughters now, if you truly are a Christian, but who specifically is the Beloved here? Who is the, in the Beloved? It's Jesus, right? He's talking about Jesus. We are blessed through our union with Jesus. And remember, when Jesus was baptized, this voice came out of heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And so because of our union with Christ, and because of the grace of Christ, it's the same of God says that to you. Andre, you are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Alan, you are my beloved son with who I am well pleased. Lee, you are my beloved son with who I am well pleased. And remember what Paul says in Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And so in case you missed how this grace changes us, Paul says God is for you. And if He is for you, who cares what other people think of you? Because understanding how much grace you have in Christ, it helps you recognize that not only that God is for you by giving you His only Son, and by giving you His Son, He says, in grace, He will give you everything else you need. And so why do I need the approval of others? If it is God who justifies, nothing you can do can justify yourself, and nothing anyone else says about you can change that justification, that approval of God, that approval you already have, then why does it bother me so much? We have to enjoy this truth of God's approval for us in Christ. And live in the freedom by recognizing that I am totally free, totally justified and approved by God. And I don't have to worry about the approval of others. You see, when you have this encounter with the divine risen Lord Jesus, then who cares what man says? Have you had that experience with Jesus? Do you know the saving Jesus? Of the Bible. But 
it's true that people can is it true that people can never seek to please other people? Should we not care about other people at all? Is that, is that what the Bible is saying? Should we not try to please other people? Because Romans 13 verse 2 says, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Well, Paul is saying you should live in a way that pleases your neighbor, okay. But what's the difference? What's the difference? The difference is I'm motivated by the grace of Christ to build them up. For their good and edification. Because here's the motivation in the very next verse, in verse 3, Romans 15, 3. For Christ did not please Himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. See, the gospel makes me think of how I can deny myself to strengthen, love, and edify my neighbor. To live in a way that will make the gospel attractive to those around me. To show real Christ-like love to the people that are working with me. That live in the same house as me. That go to the same school as me. Because I know I've been approved by God already. What about the classic verse that we all memorize so well with our kids? 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. But then we keep on reading. Verse 32. Give no offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do. What? Is Paul saying he's becoming this people pleaser? Well, we just keep reading again. Next verse, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. In other words, does my seeking to please other people, this other person, is that going to give an opportunity for the gospel? Will I be seeking my own advantage or their advantage? Because we have to read and study our Bibles carefully. Because if you're pleasing man by compromising the gospel to get them to like you, you're compromising the truth. And Paul is saying that is for your profit and it's actually for their disadvantage. He has the total opposite in mind. Paul is opposed to anything that will stand in the way of the true gospel. And he's willing to do whatever he can to be all things to all people. Right? To let this message of grace go everywhere. Because he knows that is what a servant of Christ does. The gospel is for all people. And this brings us to our final point here today. If we are going to live in the same freedom as Paul does. From having to please other people. And if we are going to be effective servants of Christ. Then we have to recognize our own motives first. What's going on in the heart? What's my own motives? Wanting to please these other people. Second, we have to recognize the approval we already have from God. This amazing truth that Jesus is for me no matter what I do. Knowing that I am already fully accepted by God because of Christ. And now finally, we have to recognize the cost. The cost. The cost if we are driven by the approval of other people. Paul says, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul is saying, if I were still to try to please man, I could not be a slave for Jesus Christ. And this word servant means, in this context, it's a bond servant or a slave. In essence, what Paul is saying is that you can't serve two masters. If I'm busy pleasing man, then I'm not busy serving Christ. You can't be doing both. I can't get you like me by compromising the truth and be serving Christ at the same time. Because you can't be a servant of Christ if you're controlled by the fear of man and the worship of their approval. You see, Paul had given his entire life to Jesus. And by surrendering his life to the Lordship of Christ, it came to this great cost to his own reputation. But Paul doesn't care. He doesn't care what others think of him because he understands grace. 
He understands how that changed his life. And he knows that because of Jesus, you go from being enslaved to man and his opinions to being enslaved to Jesus. And being enslaved to Jesus makes you free from man's opinions. And so this freedom you have in Christ, it leads you to the service of Christ. To the service of Christ. To be this ambassador for Him. Because the reality is, honestly, if you are so enslaved by the approval of others, it makes you useless to the mission of Christ. It makes you useless. And that's why Paul is saying you can't do both. You either live for man, trying to please man, or you live for God. In his mind, it's that simple. Because part of the problem is people say one thing with their lips. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I want to live for you, Jesus. But they say something different with their lives. When they act like hypocrites. Their behavior causes this great damage to the gospel. And those around them. We're actually going to see the example of this, of the Apostle Peter. Can you imagine the Apostle Peter coming in chapter 2? Where as soon as the, the Jewish men from James came, he, uh, with this different set of convictions, they, Peter pulled back from eating meat with the Gentiles. He separated himself because of the fear of man. And his behavior affected the rest of the church as well. Galatians 2.13 says, And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, with him so that even Barnabas was led astray. By their hypocrisy. So that sometimes it's going to require that we confront someone in love. In order to let our lives match up with the grace we have received. To help them see that they are acting like hypocrites. Because of their fear of man. But again, here's the problem. If you're a people pleaser, then you won't want to confront someone, right? You would want to avoid that confrontation. It's much more convenient to pretend you didn't see anything. Instead, look the other way and rather talk to other people about it and gossip about it. Rather than talking to the person who lovingly needs to hear. And it's because we don't want to make our lives difficult and messy or cause any damage to our own reputations. That we rather avoid people and who's dragging the church through the mud. The name of Christ through the mud. And so we need the right motivation. The grace of God and the truth of the gospel motivates us to confront people when they are living as hypocrites. This is what motivated Paul, because Galatians 2.14 says, But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all. Paul wasn't concerned about what would happen if he did this, what others might think of him, if he spoke up against the great apostle Peter. He was too concerned for the purity of the gospel. And how this is going to lead other people astray if he doesn't speak up. I mean, this shows us how important it is that we truly understand grace, is it not? Because if the apostle Peter can have this moment of peer pressure, of confusion, of trying to please people, then we know it can happen to us. And I know it happens to you. Because I know it happens to me. But are you willing to stand up for the truth when it's being compromised? Are you sitting at work and someone's saying they, they, they have to pray through Mary, they have to go walk and knock on doors to tell people that Jesus is only a man? You need to pay for your sins with your weekly salary to be right with God. Are you going to stand up for the truth? And the goal is not to offend people so much that you think you're doing this great job for Jesus. You know, some people get this wrong because they think the more I offend people, the happier I am with myself. Give myself a little pat on the back because look, everyone's upset with me. You think you're this great servant of Christ and the problem is your offense is not the offense of the cross. Your offense is your rude behavior. Your lack of sensitivity for the situation. But the other side of the coin is true as well. Because as you get to know people and you, you, know, you don't want to seem to be offensive at all. 
You want everyone to like you. And so if you're the last line of defense for the truth, the truth's out the window. It becomes irrelevant. And so the question is, where are you? Am I the most defensive Christian I know? Or are you the one that goes, I don't think I can say anything right now. This is going to be too awkward. Maybe even a third category. Do I change the message in order to please other people? Paul said to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 2.17, We speak the truth in Christ in the sight of God. We have to stop and recognize that we are living our lives of pleasing people in front of God. And God has already shown us that He is for us and He is with us. And because we've been given so much grace, this grace motivates us to live for God's truth and His glory. This grace shows me how much God approves of me already because of Jesus. And this grace makes me a servant of Christ. Willing to stand up for the truth when it's needed. We need to learn how to be a God pleaser and not be a man pleaser. Not to earn any favor with God. Because I already have so much favor in God. Rather this grace, it motivates me to be boasting in the Lord. Are you boasting in the Lord? And not run from the shame of the cross. Because that's what Paul says later in Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. God has set us free from the power of seeking the approval of other people. And we fight the struggle with the power of His grace. The power of the Holy Spirit. We need to learn how to relate to other people with grace. What does it look like in your life? How are you relating to other people on the basis of grace? How many opportunities have gone by where you could have spoken up for the, the Lord Jesus Christ, but you rather shy away? We need to be driven by the grace of Christ, knowing that even when we fail sometimes, that doesn't change God's love for us. We don't want to get to a place where our Christianity is simply lived out in such a way that we just want to please the people around us. Like Paul, he says again in Ephesians 6, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. We are to live our lives with Jesus as our Lord and King, and it should be evident to those around us. We want to honor the King with our lives with sincere hearts, not pretending when we are in front of other people, but as true servants of Christ, driven by His grace. And so the next time you are confronted with the situation of having to please people and wanting their approval, ask yourself these three questions. These three questions, and I'll close with this. These three questions. Do I want to please man, or do I want to please God? Do I want to please man, or do I want to please God? Second, do I really believe in this moment I'm already approved by God because of Jesus? Do I really believe I'm already approved by God because of Jesus? And thirdly, is what I'm doing going to prevent me from being a faithful servant of Christ? Is my behavior, my actions, my speech going to prevent me from turning from the faithfulness of my Savior? We've got to look to grace because that is where we find true freedom. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you speak to us through your divine word. Thank you for this word today. Thank you that it reminds us of 
just the amazing approval that we have from you because of Christ. Help us to just enjoy and savor the truth in our lives daily, Lord, that when we are confronted with the realities of wanting to please man, that we will seek to please you instead. Lord, there are so many things that fight against us in this world right now. Even in the church, we can be tempted to want to be a different kind of person just to be accepted by others. Help us to turn from that. Help us to see all the grace we have in Christ. Lord, we are tempted to want to avoid addressing certain issues when the truth is being compromised. Help us not to be a compromiser. Help us to stand firm with boldness, knowing that we have been approved by God. Help us to live out our faith, not wanting to be eye-pleasers, pleasing other people, but rather wanting to please You. You know our hearts, Lord. You know everything about us. Help us be bold for the Gospel. In this dark world that desperately needs truth, help us to be bold for the Gospel. Help us to be a kind of church that shows what it looks like to fear God more than we fear man. All because of the sweetness of grace in Christ. In His name we pray. Amen.